All right, guys, welcome back to Revive School. Here we are, Lesson 16, Isaiah 34, 35, and 36. Look, you should know by now, if you aren't aware of this, whenever you say three chapters in Isaiah, you should be like, oh, dear Lord, this is going to be a fire hose. And it's going to feel like a fire hose. Originally, I, I had identified Isaiah 35. Tom and I had picked out Isaiah 35. And then it was just kind of like, whoa. You can't, as you've learned, as we know, you can't just pull out one section without trying, trying, okay, to cover as much as you can because the reality, everything builds on each other. I mean, when you pull back, if you're new to, to Revive School, maybe you're listening for the first time in the car, in the radio, uh, you know, you're driving, I don't know, and, and you, you want to know, like, okay, wait, we're talking about the book of Isaiah. We're studying the major prophets, okay? And in this, basically, if you ever wanted to pick a book in all 66 books and say, you know, I wonder if there's one that kind of summarizes everything. I would say it's the book of Isaiah. It's unbelievable. Not only is there 66 chapters, the first 39 chapters uh, are a representative of the Old Testament. Now, hang on here for a second, okay? And what I mean by that is, is it implies those first 39 chapters are really about judgment. Now, we still have some of that coming. We've got a couple more days in this topic of judgment. But then when you get into verse, chapter 40 and on, you're going to get into this comfort and deliverance that really represents the 27 chapters of the New Testament. So it's just this cool picture. 66 books uh, represent 66 chapters in some way, okay? Not 100%, but I think you get the picture here. And so for the last week, you guys, all last week, we kind of started to wrap up in Isaiah 28 through 33, these oracles, these judgments that are coming against uh, specifically Samaria, Jerusalem, and we got into Assyria. And so all of these countries, these, these cities, these folks, these people that are making decisions against Jerusalem, I, I promise you, Isaiah, he drops the hammer. I mean, he's never shy of doing what the Lord has asked him to do. You know, it wouldn't be revived school in Isaiah if we didn't mention he's so radical, he walked around naked for three years. How can you not love studying the book of Isaiah? Uh, we have Kevin in the studio. We've got Rich. We've got Tom Jankowski. We've got Pastor Tom Schieffer. Uh, good to have you here. We've got Pastor Gordy that's going to be teaching as well this week. It's going to be a full week. So, Tom, if you can go to the slide, Kings and Prophets. I want you to have an understanding here. Uh, just, uh, you know, if, if you're not watching this, but you're just listening, we have a, a, a basically a, a timeline that has two lines, one on the top, one on the bottom, goes horizontal. Obviously, it's a timeline, but then you have these prophets. And here you have Isaiah, and it shows how he and who he specifically, quote unquote, ministers to in the southern kingdom. So he pours into uh, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. That's kind of roughly his time frame. And then you're going to see the major prophets that we're going to talk about later on. It's not going to be far from now. Jeremiah and Ezekiel and in Daniel. We're going to get into these major prophets. Then we'll jump into the New Testament, get to some of the other epistles, and then we'll come back and cover the minor prophets. But all of these, major and minor, they're either pouring into the southern kingdom Okay, which would really be Judah, and I would I always love just saying and Jerusalem because that's really these messages. And then the upper ones, meaning you know, Jonah's, the Amos's, the Hosea's, those kind of guys, they're pouring into the northern kingdom, which specifically is like the ten tribes, specifically Israel. It gets confusing when they say Israel because you're like, I thought all of that was Israel. Yes, 
and no. Now, there's two major points on here. You got to remember the message that we see here is that Isaiah is really saying, hey, guys, there's going to be some harsh things that are coming. And it's interesting. Uh, later on the week, we'll talk about some of the first part emphasizes the Assyrian stuff. Some of the end stuff is going to get into the Babylonian stuff. When I mean stuff, I mean captivity. It's either death or captivity. So just last week, we talked about the judgment coming against these people that are making decisions against the people of God. Okay. So now here's what here's where it gets interesting. We're going to transition now into Isaiah 34 uh, and 35, and I'm going to cover 36, but specifically 34 and 35. They really talk about prophecies. And in this context, when we say prophecies, we're talking about future events, predicting, quote unquote, from the Lord, future events that are going to take place. And you're going to see prophecies. And this is kind of a crazy statement of worldwide judgment and deliverance. So like, and Kevin, again, this is almost going to feel like Isaiah 24, 25, 26, and 27. It has that same feel of prophecies of worldwide judgment and deliverance. It's that good old prophet, man, here's death coming to you. Oh, but if you find hope, (laughs) there could be a blessing. So it's this constant balance of it's not a good message. You know, oh, here comes Isaiah. Remember, it's that Kelly, our accountant comes walking around. You're like, hey, what does she want? Like that kind of mentality. Uh, But at the same time, it's a blessing. And so uh, let's begin to unpack, if we can, Isaiah 35. And let me just say 34 and 35 together are, and I love what Nelson's commentary says. It's an appendix, uh, basically, you guys, to Isaiah 33. So if you take 33 and you could say, okay, can I add to this? Yes, 34 and 35 would be that addition. And what I mean by that, it's, it's the sixth woe. It's an appendix to the sixth woe. So when you look at Isaiah 34, okay, and, you know, Kevin, we're not going to specifically go by verse by verse, but we're, we're going to kind of. We're going to do it a little bit differently. So, like, when you look in verse 1, okay, what I want you to understand, and I'm going to write this out. I don't, I just, I was originally going to start studying through 35, and then as I started reading 34, I was like, man, this is so huge to understand. And so I'm going to do very generic terms on here. But when you look in verse 1, okay, and you're seeing you nations come here and listen, you peoples pay attention. What is, what is Isaiah saying? He's saying, hey, look, guys, all nations, you need to listen up. Kevin, when it says all, we used to say this all the time in Indiana, all means what? All. I need everybody to listen. What does that mean? Everybody is going to be impacted. The whole earth is actually going to be impacted by Isaiah 34 word. I mean, it's huge what's coming. Then it continues on in verse two. And by the way, as everybody is listening, the Lord is angry with all of the nations. (laughs) That's real encouraging. Again, I'm just, I want to build this very generically. feels a little bit different for me to do this. But in verse three, okay, when you go to verse three, it says, and it says, their slain will be thrown out and the stench of their corpses will rise and the mountains will flow with the blood. So in other words, what you're going to see is the blood, okay, the blood and the slain from all of the nations. Oh, by the way, it will stink and soak the mountains. Now, as you continue to build in verse four, okay, again, we are in Isaiah 34. And remember, I told you 34 and 35 are about what? Prophecies of worldwide judgment and what? Deliverance. So you can almost be guaranteed 34 is going to be the judgment side. 35 is going to be, Kevin, the deliverance side. So just know that this whole chapter is just a lot of death. There's no other way around it. And here's the deal. We'll get into the timing of this, you guys. But this is massive. We're talking end here. But (laughs) here it is again, Kevin. 
you know, and uh, Gordy and Tom will, will learn our little phrases here is because as they're in the studio, is he talking current? So here I draw my little dot. Is this current? Is he talking about the first time uh, about the Messiah? Or is he talking about the second time of the Messiah? And then in this dialogue of all of the nations coming together, we'll talk about this at the end. Where does this fit? Where does Isaiah 34 and 35 fit in with the timeline? Not just necessarily with the kings and the prophets, but like in the big picture. Because when we're talking about current right now, you know, this is this is Isaiah's line. This is Isaiah's language. But the reality is he's talking way over here. We'll get into some of this. It's kind of a fun picture. So in verse four, uh, here you have this. All the heavenly bodies will dissolve. The skies will roll up like a scroll. Their stars will all wither and leaves wither on the vine and foliage on the fig tree. So here you have uh, go to verse five, if you don't mind, Kevin, please. And then when my sword has drunk its fill in the, in its, in the heavens, it will then come down on Edom and on the people I have set apart for destruction. All right. So in verse, in verse five, four, excuse me, the whole universe will be involved with this judgment. Let's go to Revelation 6, 13 through 14. Okay, so timeline. Here you have a prophet Isaiah, 700-ish BC. I'll just leave it generically, okay? He is prophesying about stuff that's going to happen after the seven years of tribulation at the very, very end. Look Look what John's writing, okay? In Revelation, the stars of heaven fall to the earth as a fig tree drops. It's unripe figs when shaken by a high wind. Verse 14, the sky separated like a scroll being rolled up. There it is, the heavens being rolled up. And every mountain and island was moved from its place. So now here you have Isaiah. And then here you have in the book of Revelation, all same language. And can I just tell you the time frame of Isaiah 34 is he's prophesying about the end at the end of the tribulation. So, Kevin, we can say then it is right here at the time frame of the second Messiah. Let's keep going. Verse, we already read verse five. If we want to go back here, Kevin. But in six, here's what you're going to see. The Lord's sword is covered with blood. And then it gets really descriptive about this sword and what he's killing. The blood of lambs, the fat of the kidneys, for the Lord has a sacrifice in Basra. It keeps going on in a great slaughter. Verse 7, the wild oxen will be struck down, the young bulls with the mighty bulls. The land will be soaked with blood and their soil will be saturated, saturated. It'll be saturated with fat. So what do we have in verses 5 through 7? The Lord, this is a really interesting picture. In judgment, okay, the Lord in judgment, again, this comes from... uh, uh, Tom Constable here, just on this generic outline, but the Lord in judgment will seek, and I like this, what uh, is his? And how is he going to do it? With a sword. What does that mean? It means actual what it means. Death and destruction will come at the end of the tribulation. I mean, this is, there's no other way around this. And then when you get into verse 8 uh, of Isaiah, it's crazy, I thought I was going to teach on 35. For the Lord has a day of vengeance a time of paying back Edom for its hostility against Zion. So now here you're saying God is going to, you know, the people in Genesis 12, when it says you either, you're going to be blessed if you bless Israel or you'll be cursed uh, if you're going to curse Israel. That's exactly what Isaiah 34, 8 says. He's a time of paying back Edom for its hostility against Zion, which is Jerusalem. It's the people from Israel. So the Lord has a day of vengeance. So God, all I'm going to put because of time here is just, there will be a day of vengeance. This is for all of the nations listen up. And I think it's interesting. Verse eight, you better pay attention to. Do not curse Israel. Do not show oppression towards Israel. I'm telling you guys, there will be a time of wrath coming against those that choose to go against his people. 
It's pretty clear. Verse 9 and 10, it says, just to make sure everybody understands, Edom will be destroyed. Okay? Edom will be destroyed, and it'll be destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay? Is the picture. So Edom will be destroyed. Will be destroyed here. Okay? That's what you have. And then in verses 11 through 13, this is where it gets uh, a little bit more interesting. It says, the desert owl and the screech owl will possess it. The great owl and the raven will dwell there. The Lord will stretch out a measuring line and a plumb line over her for her destruction and chaos. Verse 12, no nobles will be left to proclaim a king and all her princes will come to nothing. And then finally in verse 13, her palaces will be overgrown with thorns. Her fortified cities, thistles, briars, she will become a dwelling for jackals and abode for ostriches. Here's the point we want you to, there will be at that time no human leaders. None. No human leaders. And then in verses 14 through 15, okay, this is where it gets really interesting. The wild beast will meet hyenas. One wild goat will call to another. Indeed, the screech owl will stay there. will find a resting place for herself. And then it says in 15, the sand partridge will make her nest there. She'll lay and hatch her eggs and will gather her brood under her shadow. Indeed, the birds of prey will gather there each with its mate. Okay, the human population at this point, you guys, will be drastically low. How do we know? Kevin, if you go to Revelation 6, 8. Revelation 6, 8 uh, says this, and I looked and there was a pale green horse uh, on uh, the horseman on its name on it was named death. Hades was following after him. Authority was given to them, them meaning who, Kevin? Death and Hades. Death and Hades. Authority was given to these. I can't wait till we get to the book of Revelation, by the way. Authority was given to death and Hades uh, to follow them. And authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill by the sword, by famine, by plague, and by the wild animals of the earth. Can you go to Revelation 9.18? And here's the crazy thing, you guys. Isaiah 34 is prophesying about the end death that's coming. And then look at this one. Here you go. Eventually then, here's what you're going to say, is a third of the human race was killed by these three plagues, fire, smoke, sulfur that came from their mouths. So honestly, you can then even add a third, which is why people come up with at least a half of the of the population. Okay, that's not maybe the greatest math just looking at that, but at least half of the of the, the country or the world is dead. Isn't that crazy? It's and you think about the timing again, that's what's so these are hundreds and hundreds of years apart from each other. That's right. I mean, if there's anything that should blow your mind away and you're like, well, it hasn't happened yet, so how do I know it's true? But just the fact that these writers are writing similar things, different language, but same things, different periods of time, different context, it's crazy. He is going to prophesy things that are going to happen 200 years in the future and they come to pass. So if he prophesied these for thousands of years in the future, they're going to come to pass. He's got a track record and we can see it. Okay, uh, I want to just wrap this up to transition into Isaiah 35. But you have to understand this language of 34. Judgment is coming to all of the earth. So let me ask you this. Is the Old Testament still relevant today? You have to ask yourself, is this still relevant today? Because if it's not, then don't worry about it. But if it is, folks, we, we got to actually get ready. 
We got to get ready for what's to come. And, and I will tell you this, uh, Constable says as well, and I, I just want to release this, is that more judgment actually fell on the earth dwellers. I like that language. On the earth dwellers after the sixth judgment. Okay, in Revelation, when we get into this language, specifically the seven bold judgments. Okay, again, I just want to just paint a picture that that's coming. You can read more about this in Revelation. Therefore, what is what Isaiah pictured, I really believe what we've been saying really looks like it's at the end of the tribulation. It's, it's the most mind-blowing thing ever. Isaiah 34 talks about the end. And Tom, to go to your point, I always thought Isaiah was writing about um, you know, Emmanuel and the servant, which he does. But here's why it's so important now. While, why now I know why he talks about that. It's like the wristband. It would be like talking about the red, the blue, and the green and saying, hey, I always talk about how God loves you and how when you have faith in him, then you can have eternal life. I never thought about the prophecy side or the negative side about, well, why, why do they need Emmanuel? Why do they need hope? Because it's not going to be good. Like he goes the route of the bad news and the good news prophet. And, and I think sometimes we just do that in our own lives. We only want the good news. Well, but you got to understand you want the good news because of where we've come from. And that's exactly what he's communicating in this message of Isaiah 34. Now, all right, when you get to Isaiah 35, praise God, we made it. Okay, here's what you have to understand. In Isaiah 34, okay, uh, this would be, Kevin, you ready for this? Rich, you guys love my drawings. That's the desert. okay. And basically what has happened in Isaiah 34, okay, is that everything has been wiped clean. Right now, it's just a, a vast, empty, uh, dry land. Does that make sense? 34 comes in and just God cleans house. So it's kind of like this empty wasteland. But now when you begin to look in 35, 1 through 4, you see the most unbelievable picture of God just flipping the switch. It's an awesome picture. In fact, Nelson says you have a prophecy literally of a reversal of the earth's barrenness to fruitfulness. So you go from, uh, let's just say, barrenness to now all of a sudden. Yeah, just uh, as a visual for you, Kevin, and for me. Um, I'm drawing flowers, by the way. All of a sudden you will see everything. It's just like it's blooming, it's blossoming. And uh, I guess this is a blueberry plant, bush, tree. <laughs> I don't know what else you draw. Uh, so like this is, the this is the drastic switch. And like that's the beauty of this whole message that I absolutely love about Isaiah 34 and 35. Is that you go from Isaiah 34, no hope, to Isaiah 35, all kinds of hope. And he says this, the wilderness and the dry land will be glad the desert will rejoice and blossom like a rose. You know, when I look at Mindy's uh, paintings here, uh, like to me, this is a great picture of Isaiah 35. You know, like it's lush, it's green, there's water, there's plants, there's vegetation. Here you have animals. But like 34, that would be nothing like that. And so here you have a desert will rejoice and blossom like a rose. It says in verse 2, it'll blossom abundantly and will also rejoice with joy and singing. <laughs> the glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. I mean, Lebanon, Carmel and Sharon, Sharon are areas near the sea. 
Uh, they're noted for their agricultural fertility. Like, and already they're saying, and oh, by the way, it's going to be even more than that. And then it says, they will see the glory in verse 2. They will see. I mean, you guys, we're talking about Israel. Israel will recognize the earth's newfound, Nelson says, this newfound fruitfulness. And it's coming from the Lord. What a drastic... We were, we were just talking, you guys, about the tribulation, the end. Like, it looks awful. The stench of the blood flowing down from the mountains. And now all of a sudden, it's this drastic picture of hope and life and fruitfulness. And then in verse 3, it says, it's really interesting. Uh, it says, strengthen the weak hands, steady the shaky, the shaking knees. And then finally, just with this message here in verse 4, say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear, here is your God. Vengeance is coming, God's retribution is coming, he will save you. All right, let's just do something real quick. Let's just assume that he's not talking about the tribulation. Okay? Let's just assume he's not talking about the tribulation. Kevin, you got any thoughts? How does this apply to the situation that they're in? Like, how does currently, if I'm a prophet Isaiah, I'm speaking in to the situation of the Israelites, how does 34 and 35 apply to them right now? You got any ideas? Well, I mean, as the Syrians are coming and taking Israel, the northern tribes, yeah. they're, they're burning things, they're leveling cities, there's yeah. nothing left. They're completely destroying and carrying people off, and they're killing people, like, openly killing people. So there would be a sense of, hey, this is going on right now around us. Great picture. That's a great picture. And that, I just want to emphasize, like, when you're giving a prophetic word, I do believe it can apply here and now, like, to this situation. But I also think it could be down the road. So I don't want to miss that obvious what they're dealing with, with the Assyrians and coming into the Babylonians and down the road. And I like verse 3 when it says, strengthen the weak hands. Like, I can't, I can't keep this up. Like, you need to be able to encourage the discouraged. That's really a big picture. Like, I don't know. I don't want, I don't want, no, hang in there. Hang in there. You know, I like Hebrews 12, 12. Can we go there for a second, Kevin? I don't, I don't know. MacArthur pointed this out. I like this text here. It says, therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees. Keep going if you don't mind. Verse 13. And make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. Like it's this mentality, Lord, would you carry me in this time of persecution, of suffering? Carry us. And then you need to speak life into people. Say to the cowardly, be strong, don't fear. So at the end of, this is, I'm ready to go there again. Okay. At the end of the tribulation, let's just say this message is for the end. Okay. Which I believe it is. At the end, what if he's really speaking to a small group, the remnant? Like, what if, like, if, if that many people really are dying, you guys? That's the picture. The population is dwindling. There's not that many believers. Imagine if all of a sudden now he's speaking life into them. He says, guys, don't fear. God is still coming to get you. God is going to deliver them. Because to me, that's really what verse four really begins to look like is that God's retribution is coming. He will save you. God's vengeance is going to come and he's going to redeem all of the situation. Now, if you go to Revelation 13, 9 and 10, it gets kind of interesting. Revelation 13, 9 and 10. If anybody has an, uh, keep going to verse 10, would you? I think that's right. Yeah. If you go to verse nine, just as a backdrop, if anybody has an ear, he should listen. So listen up in verse 10. If anybody is destined for captivity into captivity, he goes, if anybody is to be killed with a sword, with a sword, he'll be killed. Now watch this. Here is the endurance and the faith of the saints. 
Like there is this picture, you guys, of a small little group that you need to continue on. Revelation 14, verse 12 has the same mentality. Revelation 14, 12. Here's the endurance of the saints. Like you're going to see this throughout the book of Revelation. We'll get to this in, in uh, you know, at, at the end of the study with Revived School. I, I do believe, though, like, uh, you know, and everybody can have different views. And I'm great with that. I, I don't care if you believe you're going to get raptured before the tribulation. Okay, I don't care if you're, you believe you're going to get raptured in the middle of the tribulation. And really, it doesn't matter if you're going to get raptured at the end. Here's my point. You need to be prepared for all three. Okay, if you live in this posture that I'm out of here, then you actually never adhere to this truth in Revelation. You might not ever adhere to Isaiah 35 because the reality is, is he's saying, guys, you're going to get weak. You're going to get tired. And I need you to endure in this process. Keep your faith because what? God is going to save you. And I think for me, that's what I'm getting in this, you guys. For me, it's like, look, Isaiah makes a prophecy. Hey, by the way, guys, it's, it's just not going to look good. But it's going to get better in Isaiah 35. You're going to see growth and change and positivity. But let me just also tell you this. It's still not going to be easy. And I want to make sure you have this understanding that God has your back. You just have to keep looking to him in the process. And, you know, there's a lot here that we could get into because, honestly, in 35, uh, let me read verse 5. It says, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame will leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Water will gush in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Now, look, you're beginning to see, many people would say, obviously, a reversal, okay, uh, uh, of the spiritual condition. The spiritual condition, the people are beginning to change. You're beginning to see this. But it's also happening physically. Verse 8 or verse 6 the lame are going to leap. The tongue are going to be able to speak. Water is going to flow in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I actually think, and Jesus talks about this, this is really a first sign, a foretaste of his first coming. He even references this, you guys. He references exactly these verses. But I also don't think it's completely fulfilled. I think that there's more to come with this. And so then when you get into verse 7, it says, The parched ground will become a pool of water. In the thirsty land, springs of water, in the haunt of jackals, in their lairs, there will be grass, reeds, and papyrus. In other words, <laughs> this is kind of cool. Water was and is a precious commodity in Israel. Let's just face it. Anywhere you go, water's a major issue. Uh, sometimes even to the point where people are fighting over it. But in the millennium, it won't be an issue. Water will flow freely. People will be able to move freely with no illnesses, no sickness. And then it says in verse 8, here it says, And a road will be there, and a way it will be called the holy way. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for the one who walks the path. Even the fool will not go astray. Now, on this, they call this the highway of holiness. The I-35 is what people call it. The highway to holiness. Some would say, now watch this, in verse 9, there will be no lion there, no vicious beast will go up on it. They, they will not be found, but the redeemed will walk on it, and the redeemed of the Lord will return and come to Zion with singing, crowned with unending joy. Joy and gladness will overtake them in sorrow, and sighing will flee. Uh, just maybe this highway is a literal road then. Just maybe this is a literal road that he's saying, out of captivity, you guys are going to be set free. But I also think it's a bigger picture. I think if we're really talking about the tribulation and we're really talking about the end times, just maybe this, this is a road for his remnant to walk on to New Jerusalem. It's a really powerful picture. And I think there's a lot that we could unpack here. 
But I'll just say this, as you're walking to Jerusalem as a remnant, as the redeemed, who you are in Christ, just know that gladness is going to overtake sadness. Joy is going to be there in the day of Israel's restoration. I think Isaiah 35 is the most unbelievable picture of what's to come. But Isaiah 34 shows us why we need Isaiah 35. We're supposed to get to Isaiah 36. (laughs) All I'll just say is Isaiah 36 serves as a bridge, really between uh, uh, 1 through 35 and then 40 through 66. It's a bridge. And uh, it's an interesting picture of, uh, really, King Hezekiah and who he is. And so, uh, hey, look, thanks for unpacking this. I know there's more here that you could study, and my prayer is, is that you will that you continue to do this on your own. We'll talk to you tomorrow as we continue our study with Isaiah. Thanks.